let us pray for others. Thank you that we are able to eat together to celebrate your goodness to us and to recognize that you are the one who, who is our hope and our life. You're the one who's with us in every single part of our lives, whether it's the easy and the fun or the difficult and the bad. You are with us. And because we believe in you, because we believe who you are, as we read right at the beginning, our psalm reminded us of your goodness. And that we come into this place where we know we can connect with you, know we can meet with you. We trust you. We trust you for those whose situations and whose lives we carry in our hearts. Because we're concerned about them, we love them, we're, we know that you need to touch their lives. And so we bring them to you now. And so where we stand, Lord, we just whisper their name to you. And in that whispering, you, you already know what they need before we even say it, but we ask you to touch them. May they know that you, you will be with them, that you will bless them, strengthen them, help them, encourage them, give them hope. We pray for ourselves. You know what we need as we stand or even as we sit. You, you know what we need. You know what kept us awake last night. You know what makes our heart beat a little harder, faster. You know the thing that causes the knot in our stomach. You know what we cry to you. So we pray, Lord, that you would touch each and every one of us, those who stand and sit, that you would give to us your blessing, a reminder of your presence. We remember those, some of whom we've been praying for for some time, others more recently, we pray that you would touch their lives, these friends of ours, members of our congregation, family members, people like Debbie and Tatum and Jonathan and Rules. John, Lauren, Wayne, Thalia, Tia, and Phyllis, and others. Would you bless them? Would you heal them? Would you strengthen them? And may we see them soon because you have been at work in their lives. May they know that we've been praying for them this morning. Then, Lord, we pray for our world. We pray especially for our country. You know the upside-downness that we face as a nation. And, Lord, we, we pray that you would change the heart of this nation towards you. That you would draw us closer to you. We who claim to be Christ's followers, the millions of those like us who proclaim to trust you, that you would change our hearts towards you, that we would do those things that help and bless and strengthen and grow your kingdom in South Africa. Use us, Lord. We pray for those in leadership, those who, who stand strong and firm against that which is wrong and evil and bad and not of you. 
pray that you would give to them wisdom and courage and strength to speak truth, to keep speaking truth, to stand on the truth that is you and your word. And Lord, we, as we do again and again, we, we bring those who are doing things that are evil and wrong to you and we simply put them in your hands. Whether they be politicians, people in industry, people who live in and around us, among us. We trust you. And then, Lord, you know what we need as we gather. You know the struggles and the stuff going on in our lives. May we know that when we leave this place, we are more able to live for you or better able to be your people. We're able to live in such a way that the world can do nothing but know and see that not only do you exist, but you're at work in our world. So, Lord, work in our lives. Speak to us. Bless us. Use us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And together God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So, happy Father's Day. It's a kind of special day and as Lillian reminded us, there are many of us whose dads are no longer with us. And so we remember on a day like this, we remember them especially. But we're also in the series where we have been looking at the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit and how to do the Christian life. You know, we've been thinking about now that we've been filled with the Spirit, what now, what next? What comes next? How do we do this? And so the first week we, we said it's about hearing and obeying God's word. It's not, just, it's not just about hearing what God says, but it's actually doing what he says every single day. Uh, last week we, we spoke a little bit about the fact that it's, it's more important. It's, in fact, I, I quoted, I, I used the new word, gooder. It's gooder to, to do what God wants and to live in such a way that it looks like we're building on a rock, which is Jesus, not on sand, which kind of falls apart. Our lives built on the rock, trusting Jesus, listening to him, and doing what he wants every day makes a difference. So we asked this question, are you allowing Jesus to change you to become the woman or man God wants you to be? Because if we're hearing and obeying, it implies that there has to be some change. We can't be the same when we leave the building as we were when we came in. We can't be the same yesterday, uh, today as we were yesterday. There has to be change if we're following Jesus. And today, so today, because it's, just because it's Father's Day, I want us to think about how, and I want to talk especially to dads um, and, and moms, just like on Mother's Day, we asked the dads to listen in uh, when I spoke to mom. We're going to do the other way. I want to speak to dads um, about how, how we can become ourselves, if you're a dad, 
or um, how we can help dad, the, the dads who are still going to be dads around us become the best dad that we can be. So this week I was, was watching a comedian talk about holidays and especially holidays in which gifts are given. And, and in the USA, because the statistic is not measured in South Africa, um, Father's Day ranks lowest in days in uh, day, celebration days in which gifts is given. Christmas is first, then Halloween, then Mother's Day, then Thanksgiving Day, then Easter, then Father's Day. And and when it comes to gifts, most the most bought gift and given gift on Father's Day is a no a card. Card. Whee! Card. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that got me thinking as to why moms get the really cool and expensive gifts on Mother's Day. It's probably because they buy the gift on dad's credit card for themselves and then give it to him to give it to them. That's probably how that happened. I'm joking. Just a little. <laughs> but I still wonder why. Do dads have so much less of an impact on their children's lives that they're not cherished and appreciated as much? And let's be clear, the monetary value of the gift doesn't show the actual value of the relationship. Let's be clear on that. A happy Father's Day card is as big as the fancy expensive gift. But it got me to thinking, dads, what, what do we teach our children that will, make such, that will make such a huge impact on their lives? What is it that we, we, we dads have to give to our children that will bless them forever, that will set them up for life, and that will be a lasting legacy in their lives. What do we teach our children? And what do we keep teaching our adult children if your children have left home? And that's especially true in South Africa, in the South Africa we live in today. Now, some of you may say, well, well Rev, that, that's fine. We, we need to teach them stuff, but we can't talk about the really scary or important stuff to our children. We don't want to upset them, and we don't want to make them Fearful. We don't want to talk about, you know, stuff like load shedding and economy and, and all that kind of stuff. Friends, I need, I need to kind of share a secret with you. Children are actually able to kind of begin to understand or cope with things that we teach them, even if it's difficult and scary things, if we do it right and if we do it well. Our, our grandchildren, um, five and three, the five-year-old knows what low is all about and, and knows w what some of the bad stuff is happening in our country because her parents talk with her about those things because she's hearing about them at school. Her friends are talking. Children also know about struggles and suffering. They know about death. And, and don't think that they don't. They do. Um, you know, pets die, children die, parents die, grandparents die. They understand death. And one of the things we know, those of us who work with children, particularly through bereavements, is that 
children sometimes cope with death better than adults, however hard that may seem. But unless we talk about important issues, they will look for truth somewhere else or believe anything outside there. So again, what is it that we teach our children or continue to teach our, el our el adult children that will bless them now and into the future? So I found some really funny uh, Father's Day quotes. Um, yes, yes, some really cool ones. Dad, thank you for not really shooting any of my boyfriends. Dad, thank you for teaching me to be, uh, teaching me how to be a man, even though I am your daughter. You, you can tell what year was the best time in your dad's life, because he's still stuck in the same clothing. Dad, I have a secret. You're the best parent. P.S. Don't tell mom. You're not my stepdad. You're my bonus dad. Thanks for being a dad. If I had a different dad, I'd punch him in the face and go and find you. I gave my father a hundred rand and said, go buy yourself something that will make your life easier. So he went and bought a present for my mother. Now that last one's important, guys. <laughs> just, just remember, there's wisdom there. But let's get a little more serious. What is it that we teach our children or continue to teach our adult children that will bless them now and into the future? And to that end, I want us to go to Romans chapter 5. It's also the lecture reading for today. And remember last week we spoke about the fact that we're in this ordinary or normal time. How do we live our Christian life in a normal, life-giving way? Romans 5 from verse 1. We have been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in Christ, we have received God's grace. And in that grace, we now stand. We are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. And that's not all. We are full of joy even when we suffer. We know that our suffering gives us strength to go on. And the strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. And hope will never bring us to shame. That's because God's love has been poured into our hearts. This happened through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. At just the right time, Christ died for ungodly people. He died for us when we had no power of our own. It's unusual for anyone to die for a godly person. Maybe someone would even be willing to die for a good person. But here is how God has shown us his love. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. So if you, want to, if you want to catch a glimpse, if you want to understand the, the depth and the power of our Christian faith, you need to read the first eight or nine chapters of, Rome, of, of the letter to the Romans, called Letters to the Romans, because it kind of encapsulates the basics and the depth and the power of our faith. Paul, who began his life as Saul, studied under some of the best university, uh, what, what we are equal of university professors, some of the teachers of the law, the best teachers of the law of his time, was zealous for God's word, so zealous that he wanted to have Christians in Damascus arrested. He was there at um, um, Stephen's stoning. He was a committed follower of, of Yahweh God. He 
he experiences Jesus in a profound way on the way to Damascus, and his life is turned around, begins to follow Jesus, begins to teach in the church, and eventually writes the, the kind of theology of the early church in his letter to the church in Rome, uh, amongst all the other letters as well. So, so Romans chapter 5, that's where we are this morning, fits into this kind of capsule, this, this picture of the faith of the Christian or the early church. And, and in chapter 5, Paul pulls together two really important things, two things that need to be held together in tension, but held together. He starts off like this. We've been made right with God because of our faith, and now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And through faith in Jesus, we have received God's grace. And in that grace, we now stand. So he starts off by saying, you, you and I have been put right with God, not because of ourselves. That's not something because we're special, because we've done anything really good, because we you know, grew up in the church, went to Sunday school, got confirmed, got married in the church. Not because of that. That's because of grace and because of what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in him. Because of that, we get to receive God's forgiving grace. And God's grace always is not getting what we deserve. Oh, sorry, getting what we don't deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we really deserve. But grace is, not getting, is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's love, but he reaches out to us with his love. And so we receive forgiveness and not punishment. But that's not all. So Romans chapter, uh, verse 3, chapter 5. No, that's not all. We are full of joy even when we suffer because we know that our suffering gives us the strength to go on. So Paul kind of reminds us that when we're put right with God and we, when we are right with God and stuff happens, we're okay. Paul says because of that, even when we suffer, we get to be full of joy. Joy not because we're struggling. We're not sadomasochists, you know. Not joy because we're struggling. But joy because struggle or suffering is not the end. Struggling or suffering or not pleasant times or difficulties is a means to something more. And God uses it, if we allow him to, to bless us, not to destroy us. And so, because of what God has done in Christ for us, and because struggle is not an end in itself, we know we have hope. Struggling gives us the strength to carry on. What's the opposite of carrying on? Giving up. So when, we're, when we put our faith in Christ and we know that his plans for us are good and that he will help us even in our struggles, we don't need to just give up. We can keep moving forward. And when we move forward, Paul reminds us, verse 4, the strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope and hope will not bring us to shame. That's because God's love has been poured into us, into our hearts, and this has happened through the Spirit whom God has given us. So Paul says, if we keep moving forward, why? We're able to move forward because we know that the struggles that we're in are not an end in themselves. We're not going to be destroyed by them. We can keep moving forward. It changes us. It produces character. Who you are under pressure often shows your character more than when things are easy and life is good. And Paul echoes what most psychologists will tell us today. Your character is shaped more by adversity than ease. (laughs) 
Your character is shaped more by adversity than it. So when we have character, so, so we, we don't give up because God is with us in the midst of the struggles. God is for us. We don't give up. We keep moving forward. When we keep moving forward, God builds our character. And when we have that character that God is building us, a character that trusts in him all the time, what then happens is that even in the face of difficulty and struggle, we have hope and we keep moving. So when we're in Christ and we don't give up because we know that he is for us and with us, it builds joy within us. The fact that we keep going builds character and our character helps us to keep going. And the more we do that, we get into a cycle that helps us to keep moving forward and not get stuck. Why? Well, Paul reminds us, because if we're in Christ, we experience Christ's love and grace, even though we don't deserve it. And then we know that God is for us and not against us. We know that we're not alone in the struggles that we face. And Paul says it works like this for us six. Just at the right time, Christ died for ungodly people. He died for us when we had no power of our own. It's unusual for anyone to die to, for a godly person. Maybe someone would even be willing to die for a good person. But here is how God has shown his love for us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. In your life, when you need it the most, when you know you've messed up properly, or you're ashamed of something very deeply, or you know that there's a greater and maybe even eternal consequence or punishment for what you've done, at that moment, at precisely that moment, Paul reminds us, Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. You're able to turn to him and receive forgiveness and love. And then when you put your faith in him, when you trust him, no matter what, you know that God is for you. And so suffering produces joy, or enables you to be joyful and produces character, and character helps you to keep moving forward. And so that cycle is a cycle that enables us not to just give up when things get difficult. Because we have hope, says Paul, all of this brings hope. Because we have hope, every time think bad things happen, we don't fall down, we don't give up, we keep going. Our faith begins to grow, it happens again. We go through difficult times. We don't give up. We don't fall. We keep going. And that produces a character, a Christian character in us that keeps going. Why is it, if you, if you think about your, probably your grandmother and your grandfather, why is it that they had such an incredible faith? They were able to keep moving forward in the face of incredible adversity because they've known for the longest time, for the longest time they've known that God is with them. I think of my grand having to kind of raise me at eight, take, take a little baby on at age 55, having to live for long periods of time on just her old age pension. She and God were like this. And so she had faith. She knew no matter what happened, God was with her. And God would help her and be with her. So dads, the greatest gift I think we can give our kids is to teach them these two truths. Don't think you first, say to your kids, don't think you first have to be good before God loves you. Don't think you first have to be perfect before God can use you. Don't think you first have to be absolutely perfect and right with God before God loves you. 
even while you were doing stupid things and wrong things, Jesus died for you. It's done. There's nothing you can do. Say to your kids, there's nothing you can do to that would make God love you any less. And there's also nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. He loves you already com completely. That's why when you were still messed up, when I was still messed up, I know that Christ died for me. So trust him and put your faith in him. That's what we need to teach our kids. Help them to trust Jesus and to put their faith in him. So that's the first gift. Remind them that no matter what happens, they can trust God. And they can trust Jesus. Because God is our good, good father who gave Jesus to pay the price for our sin. But the second gift is this, is this. Teach them the place of struggle and difficulty and suffering in their lives. I think we do our kids a disservice when we make everything easier for them. I know it's a temptation, a temptation to spare them from all the stuff you struggle with as a child, and you want to make life easier for them. You don't want them to go through the hardships you went through, but I don't think that helps them. If it, if it was Mother's Day, I'd say something like this. If they don't pick up their smelly underpants off the floor, leave it there. Eventually, when they run out of underpants, they may put the underpants in the washing basket, and then it may get washed. If it's boys, they just recycle them, but it's just a whole other game. Um, but don't pick it up for them. You'll bless them, and you'll bless their future wives. <laughs> just say. But dads, understand this. That struggle and suffering is the crucible where your child's character is formed. And I know some teenagers are like looking at me now. I know, I know you're like, yeah, dad, don't do that. Pick up my stuff. Help me. But, but it's, it's in the struggles that, that, that our children's characters are formed. Now, I'm not saying make life more difficult for them. That's not what I'm saying. But help them to understand that, that struggles are important for them. Keeping going is important for them. Not giving up is important for them. Um, learning skills, even if it's a stupid skill like math or speaking in public or um, looking for information for that project, help them to do it for themselves. Don't do it for them. Teach them that they shouldn't give up. They don't need to give up. Um, don't give up after the second practice at the new sport or you know, play the whole season. Because you will, they will learn something through that. They will. And remind them that every, every time they struggle, God is with them. Because he cares for them. And he doesn't wait for them first to become perfect or good. That's the first thing we teach them. He's with them anyway. And they can trust him to be with them and to get them through. Remind them. That God's love and his promise to be with them in the struggle will help them to keep moving forward and allow their experiences to grow their faith. Talk about the struggles that they're having with them. Encourage them, remind them that they can have, have hope even in the struggle because they will get through and they will get better at those things. You see, dads, if we don't do this, one day when our kids are adults or we no longer around to fix everything, they will struggle more than they struggle now. They'll flounder and they'll give up. 
And just because your children are adults, some of, or many of you, our children, many of us, are, our children are adults and out of the house, doesn't mean we stop teaching them these two things, to have faith in a Jesus who loves them despite their sin, and to know that struggles produce hope, and living hope enables them to move forward. Dads, we, we have an incredible privilege, but also an awesome privilege, or full privilege, to do these things for our kids. We get to do, do things for our kids that help them, enable them to move forward with their lives. And we're able to help them to do their lives in a way that but every day. I'm not saying dads are the only ones who can say these things and do these things. Moms, moms kind of tend to do this more kind of naturally. Um, moms do it almost by nature. But I want to say to dads, when you speak these truths into the lives of your children, when you do these things with your children, it has a profound, deep impact on their lives. And moms, you need to be praying for the dads. You need to be encouraging the dads. When they get it right, keep them moving forward. When they're struggling with these things, pray for them, encourage them. And dads, when we do this, because we're all talking, we're talking about what, how do we live our Christian lives in a way that impact the world around us. When we do this, God works powerfully in our families and in our lives by His Spirit. Because we're teaching our children to listen to God's Word and to do it. And to keep listening and to keep trusting and to keep doing The baptism promises that you may have made for your children, you fulfill when you do these things. And then we set our children up for success. So help them with their faith. Help them to trust Jesus. Help them to trust Father God because he's good. Remind them that faith in struggles produces character. They can keep going. They can move forward. And that we can have hope because God is with us and God loves us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that you teach us as dads and as men. You teach us the importance of speaking truth in the lives of our children and our families. And we pray that you would would help us to speak the truth of your love into the lives of our children. That you have loved us even when we've made a mess. And you will help them too. And then Lord, help us to speak the truth of the promise of your presence and of your goodness even amidst of difficulties and struggles. Because when we trust you and we move forward with you, you build us, you grow us, you develop us, you make us more and more like Jesus. And you will help, you will make them, our children, be the women and men that they are destined to be one day. So be with dads. Help them to be the best dads that they can be. Be with the moms who encourage and support and bless. And Lord, sometimes there, there are moms who have to do the dad job as well as the mom job. 
and pray that you would give to them that which they need. And the dads who sometimes have to do the mom and the dad job, give them the strength that they will need to speak the truth of your love and bring hope into their children, our children. So Lord, we recognize that our hope is built on nothing else, nothing less than your love and your grace. We stand together. Amen.